The year is 1942. A Times article reports on the Allied bombing of key industrial targets in fascist Italy. The bombs used for these missions were called blockbusters because of their ability to destroy an entire city block. Eventually, the term blockbuster entered the American lexicon as something explosive or shocking. Fast forward to the summer of 1975, when a movie spooked beachgoers out of the water and into the theaters. This movie, directed by a then-unknown 26-year-old and marred with problems, would help cement the idea of summer blockbusters and change the course of modern Hollywood history. Today, the morons are talking Jaws. Hi, welcome to the Gateway Gamers Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm RP. And this is a podcast where a veteran like me introduces the world of gaming to a noob. Like me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Gateway Gamers Presents... Jaws. Jaws. Blockbuster Um, Summer. Blockbuster Summer. Uh, For listeners who aren't familiar with us, we are normally a board gaming podcast. Uh, Before the Blockbuster Summer event, we are talking the movies as well that we played the board games of so today we're talking the 1975 absolute monster classic jaws yes we are um how are you rp living the dream man i sometimes just wished i was out on a nice sea sea boat uh named the orca but not hunting a giant shark but it would be yeah. nice to be out uh, exactly exactly. Let's see at this moment we're heading into the summer which better than to be on the beach but i'm good i'm good i'm here ready to discuss jaws watched for the first time in a long time yeah, I was just about to ask, what's your like origin with Jaws? Like, what uh, do you remember the first time you watched it? Sort of. Uh, it's it is a little foggy because it's just one of those movies that's in my you know my lexicon of movies I've seen and grew up on. But I definitely saw it when I was younger. Uh, I want to say maybe around ten. Okay. Um, my neighbor growing up was a huge horror fan, all different kinds. He's just a big movie fan as well. Um, so he introduced me to Jaws when I was younger and a lot of horror movies that I, you know, classic horror movies that I've seen, I attribute to my neighbor, Johnny, uh, when I was growing up. So that was one of the first time, that was the first time I saw it was through him. And then uh, just here and there along the way, I know I remember very vividly one day, I think it was a eighth grade, I was in eighth grade and I was homesick and I watched, watched Jaws twice. Act. I don't know why, but I watched it like back to back the same day. Yeah. Perfect. But, uh, very familiar with it, but I haven't seen it, and it, it's got to be at least 10 years okay. um, since the last time I really sat down and fully watched Jaws. How about you? Yeah, I, uh, I don't remember the first time I watched Jaws. It just, like, I was really trying to think back. Like, it wasn't a movie that I got introduced to by anyone. It was just one of those movies that I always, like, knew about. Like, I've probably seen it, like, clips enough as a kid that I could probably piece the movie together. And I can't even think of the first time I watched it fully, but I've, I've easily watched this movie probably like 30 times, if not more. <laughs> like, I love this movie. Anytime it's on TV, no matter what part it's on, like, I'm watching it. Every year around summertime, like I'm watching it. It's such... I know it's considered, like, a horror movie, but it, it to me, it's just, like, a really cozy movie. Like, I don't know, like, how to explain. Like, well, I don't not- consider this a horror that much. It's it's not. It's more of a thriller, but it has the horror elements of the blood and the the attacks, and it's a, a monster movie, not necessarily mm-hmm. a horror movie, a monster movie. But I can understand the coziness. I mean, like I said, I watched it twice when I was sick the same day. Like it's just it's a it's a comfort movie. It's a very well paced movie. It's well acted, well directed. 
and just full of great scenes. So I, yeah, I kind of understand that, that comfort. Yeah, it's definitely one of those movies where it's not like rose-colored glasses. Unlike there's some movies where like I introduced my wife, like I made her watch Labyrinth one day. And that movie is like, oh, I love that movie. <laughs> Watching as an adult, I'm like, oof, like this is rough. <laughs> and even she was like, you like this? I'm like, yes. But Jaws like deserves the accolades that it receives. Like it is like a perfect movie. It really is. And that was the one thing while rewatching it that I was really surprised about was just how well it holds up. Like it mm-hmm. is a them, you know, and we'll get into it, but uh, them not showing Bruce until really our minute. Like an hour know. 25 in. And it was showing. a really uh, a great smart move by them. And that's what's helped this movie kind of stand that test of time you know at least from the eye test i mean it's still it looks it's shot very nicely i'm not gonna say i'm I'm not gonna say it is i will say it's beautiful like there are some shots in this movie where like just a boat on the water where it is beautiful it's beautifully shot the cinematography is fantastic like i struggle to say beautifully and uh I think it is very elegantly shot in in terms of what kind of movie it is. Uh, but so I guess you know, sure, it's shot beautifully. But I it's think beautiful. it's it's shot. I don't even call my wife beautiful, but I'll, <laughs> this movie is beautiful. You're a liar. <laughs> uh, it's clean and it's crisp and it's precise. The shots mm. are all. They're every single scene is shot as exactly as it's intended with a very deliberate way. And mm-hmm. that's that's absolutely what I picked up. You know, kind of when we do stuff like this for previously recorded, I take notes. I don't really have that many notes um, while that's I watch fine. it. I have plenty. Yeah, I just I just really just sat back and enjoyed the ride, and had really not much to complain about at all. And just the, the biggest thing is the stupidity of some of the characters, but that's the point. So yeah, no, I have nothing. This is a I think I gave this a four and a half out of five stars, or maybe even a perfect five. Uh, I haven't I haven't submitted my letterbox rating yet, but that's what it'll be. Yeah, it's it's a five for five for me. Like I like I said, there's gonna be a couple of movies we talk about this summer where I'll be all over the place. This one, I love this movie. Like I really do, and I have notes galore. So <laughs> <laughs> for all your all your failings, I'll I'll pick you up. I mean, the one thing just watching the movie too is that you know they really could not have made a better board game out of it because the way yeah, the board game yeah. acts, it really, like we said, is there's really not a better way to do a yeah. It board was game. super thematic, like it just it kind of that hidden role for the board game couldn't have been a better idea. Yeah, it's fantastic. Like there was nothing else unless it made some kind of action game, but I don't know how you would even do that. So just like the board games, we'll give some stats on the movie. The movie was released in June. Uh, of 1975 uh it's the first movie to gross a million dollar a hundred million dollars until star wars a couple years later Hmm. the budget was was seven million dollars it made seven million dollars open a weekend just domestic alone and 471 million like overall worldwide at this point money is grossed and like we kind of said it launched the idea of a blockbuster summer there are movies that were called blockbusters before but this is the first movie that was an event. Like it was a movie that really got people to the theaters where the the term blockbuster is kind of like iffy on like what it means. But one of the theories is that people lining up around a block to get tickets. And this is kind of one of those first movies where people were lining up. Yeah, I actually Um, um, was speaking to a friend of the show, uh, my buddy Shanks, was over his house the one night and his neighbor came over, his neighbor friend, kind of explaining them to him about what we're doing here with the blockbuster summer. And I said, yeah, that, you know, there's you know, a couple of games like this. I think the, the first one we're doing is jaws. And he went, Oh, jaws. 
It's my favorite movie. He's like, I saw that when I was a kid in, uh, in the theater. We were, you know, I was down the shore and we were seeing it. And he said it was just packed. He said it was every single day, night, morning till night. Every showtime was sold out. Um, and then he also said that uh, his aunt took him. Uh, the thing is, the, I think he said the opening scene when it might have been the opening scene or a little bit later. He said his, his aunt had to run out because she threw up from the movie. Uh, so at the time, you know, we're saying now it's a little bit of thriller, but maybe at mm-hmm. the time it was, you know, that, those horror elements for a on a big grand scale that everybody was seeing. Yeah. But I, I would have loved, love this is one of those movies. I think this like Star Wars, Indiana Jones, like all those type of movies, like I would love to have seen in theaters, like especially at the time when it was so new. Yeah, I think yeah. it would be insane to kind of go back. But just to uh, comment on, on Blockbuster, this was one of those ones that he said was morning till night each showtime was packed yeah which is funny because generally summertime movies were garbage that's kind of where they would dump some of the movies they didn't have faith in because at that time people were out at the beach they were out like in the real world they weren't going to the movie theaters so this movie was supposed to be released at christmas time oh wow 74 but because of all the problems i had it got pushed to the summer and it just happened to work, which is wow. crazy to think about like that. But it makes sense because in the 70s and 60s and all, like people were out. They're out doing stuff. So they would go to the beach in the summer and oh, how the times have life. changed. Yeah. Everybody stays inside. And it was when it was cold, they would go to movies. So a lot of Christmas releases were the big movies. That's just kind of set the standard for summer blockbusters. No, I didn't know that. That's interesting. So I think I feel like everybody kind of knows the problems Jaws had. Yeah, like so we're not gonna go like beat by beat and kind of. They, they had a ton of problems with the shark, right? Yeah, it was the shark they had problems with, where the shark was supposed to be featured more. Um, this was supposedly one of the first movies kind of filmed in the ocean uh, huh. instead of like a pool, and Steven Spielberg refused to do it in a pool because he liked the idea of the real ocean and how open it was and how lost you could feel. And how, like, there was no, you couldn't see any shoreline in the scenes that they were out in the water to make you feel more out in the open. It's just crazy to me. I didn't know he was 26 either. I've always just thought uh, when Spielberg made this movie, just not really thinking about it too much, but that he was an experienced filmmaker at this point. But he he was not. He really was. No, I think he had one movie under his belt, and I forgot what it was. It's not one of his more well-known ones he just kind of managed to get this and then i mean it, it obviously set his streak of amazing movies especially in the 80s yeah absolutely um so like i said we're not gonna go beat by beat through the movie because if you haven't seen jaws by now just turn this off and go watch <laughs> it because it's amazing i'm just gonna go through some of the things i love about this movie and uh you can obviously add jump in where you want i know with your book full of notes <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually um, I learned today real quick before you start yeah. was that this was like not one of John Williams uh, first movies but it was early in his career too it, you know you always think of him and him and Spielberg were about the same age when they did this um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I learned that today and I again one of those other guys John Williams has always just been old as hell to me we're gonna have to get talk John Williams because that yeah. that score oof. man knows how to set but, a stage I will say that yeah yeah it's crazy to think like to us Spielberg is such like old hat. Yeah. John Williams, such old hat, but they had to begin somewhere. And like for this movie to be as fantastic as it is, is like what they started with. Yeah. I mean, Williams, I, I was looking it up today too. Like, I think this maybe might have been like one of his first major movies. This started their relationship. 
um, and and kind of I, I guess put him on the map because this is like you said the other day you're at the the pool and a kid a six year old kid was like doing the Jaws theme and it's just yeah randomly his, randomly we're at the pool and this kid's just like Duna, Duna. I'm like get <laughs> the fuck out of here like, there's no way this kid has seen this movie but yeah. those like bars are just so associated with sharks now that's yep. in like the zeitgeist of like the world like you don't even have to see the movie you just go, no, no, no. people are like oh no yeah they do it on like shark week too it's always mm-hmm. like the, the theme so but take it away all right so first thing i want to talk about is like i said cinematography the movie is beautiful b-e-a beautiful i don't care what you say it is it's a beautifully movie. shot film I, I'm not saying it's not beautifully shot. I just, it, it is. It really, it is. You, when you think about it, it is. All of those shoreline shots, all the shots where the boat is just sitting there back and forth, back and forth, and, and the way that they perfectly plan the scene. It is. It is beautifully shot. <laughs> there we go. Like we all, did it. Like all Spielberg movies, they are. They, he has a beautiful eye for capturing a shot. Yeah, this one especially, though. I love just some of the shots they do and some of the ideas they kind of do where a lot of the water's filmed from, like, the waterline that just kind of give you a very uneasy, like, in the water. Like, you're almost, like, lost in the water, like, feel. And I enjoy the one scene where it's at night and you see the boat kind of clearly, but the sun is setting and it's just very much this peaceful shot and it's very much the calm before the storm. Like, they mm-hmm. are enjoying themselves before you know, we get all wrapped up into it, but yes. I know exactly what shot you're talking about. Yep. Beautiful. Yep. It's, like Chef's a, kiss. Like it's like a yep. pinkish blue. It's yep. just a boat going toward the sun. Oh, yep. it is beautiful. Like a painting. No, it is that I, you could print that out. I would, I would hang that in my house. A lot of the shots I also love is when, uh, when Brody kind of knows that there's a shark attack and it's when everyone's out in the water mm-hmm. and there's one shot in particular where someone comes over to talk to him and you could see the water line in the background. But he's right there in the camera distracting him. Like, they do so many great shots like that. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And then, of course, after that is when the little Kittner boy gets chomped up. Spoiler alert. Mm. You've never seen Jaws. There's going to be some spoilers. So (laughs) set the spoiler alert buzzer where the little Kittner boy gets eaten up. And it does that pan to his face. Like, like it zooms. Mm. Everything zooms out and it zooms in on him. It's just like that, oh, Oh, shit shit. moment that he has of just like, Oh, like it was right. Um, so just like shots like that, I think. And then even like the shot, like we're kind of still in the beginning of the movie. The shot of the girl washed up is horrifying. The hand and the and the hair with the crabs. Um, mm-hmm. Fun fact, that's a real hand. They had a fake hand that didn't look realistic, so they had so got somebody's head later. They hand. had someone like <laughs> kind of put their hand up out of the the sand i like it that's cool it, it was surprising to see uh that this film was rated pg i know mm. you have a note on that but uh to see that this movie's rated pg and you see boobies in the opening mm-hmm. scene uh i some was side boob some side boob no when she goes up you see the full nipple mm. so i was very surprised to see that this get a pg rating along with the blood that's in the movie and then you know even that the hand and the hair, I mean, considered in the 70s as being graphic. But I was shocked to see that this was a PG rating. Yep. So this is a 1970s PG movie. Um, PG-13 wasn't invented yet. It was either you were PG or you were R. There was like no in between until I'm pretty sure either Gremlins or Raiders made the PG-13 rating, which either way, it's uh, attributed 
to Spielberg because he worked on both of those movies or had some kind of connection. So I think either Gremlins or Raiders of Lost Ark was the first PG-13 movie. I think it's I think it's Gremlins because I'm pretty sure yeah. Raiders is PG. Which makes sense. Gremlins is insane too, which is like, like you watch movies now and you're just like, how is this? Like immediately it said PG and I was like, oh, really? <laughs> just, you know, I kind of forgot. I'm like, oh yeah, this is 1970s PG. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is something we kind of touched on, sound. Sound and music. Obviously, Actually, John Williams. both Gremlins and Raiders are PG. So I don't know. What's uh, So maybe they... Maybe that's what's caused yeah maybe they rating. Set, set the pg-13 because there's some there's some trippy stuff in those movies yeah so maybe they helped maybe they were just like all right we need to set some we PG-13. need yeah we need a break yeah we need a break in between here uh it's, but yeah sorry to interrupt with, with no 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 rooms. no that's that's part of the fun facts yeah. <laughs> next thing i want to talk about is music and sound and like i said john williams score is phenomenal with both, everyone attributes the dread of like the shark score, which is obviously great, but there's also like some melancholy music that I love when like they finally like are chasing Jaws and yep. it's just this beautiful, like, like this uplifting, like three men on a boat chasing the shark. It's just like, ah, da, 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 like all happy. Like, I just, I feel like no one talks about the other music in this movie besides that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just like any of his movies, you, mm-hmm. the, the theme is always the biggest thing that's talked yeah. about because he knows how to craft a theme. He knows how to craft a scene and uh, mm-hmm. each scene, you're not distracted by the music, but you find that the music is uplifting and helping the scene move along even quicker. You know, that they're moving along quick in that boat and that music makes them feel like they're going even faster and, and you're, you're sitting there with anticipation. I mean, just like all of his movies, I really do love them all. Yeah. And I think also... Like I said, the sound of this movie, it's really well done. They made some choices that I think were really like interesting for the times, especially like whenever it went underwater, like any underwater scenes, there was no music. Yeah, there was no sound. It was just very muffled as if you were underwater. Like I love those POV shots where it's just like you're above the water, then you go under and just like, like there's no music, there's no sound as if you are under that water. And it just adds to that tension of like, like what's going on, what's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, you're just, you're out of your element. Yeah, you are the point of view of the shark, but the mindset of the human of mm-hmm. what what's going to happen next. For yeah, sure. another uh, great lack of any music or score. It's just a testament to the time because now they would add some ridiculous theme well, is when Quint's given his amazing monologue. There's like nothing. There's a very subtle lead up to it. And then it just lets it live in that space. Where now, like... Yeah, I feel like nowadays, like they would have like this theme underneath it where it's just like I, the lack of sound, just really listen to his words and how powerful this is. And that's it. Like, it's yep. just I love that. Like, it's as much as I love the score. I love the lack of sound in this movie sometimes. And even like what when a shark does attack and eats the humans, like you don't really hear like I feel like today you would hear like a crunch or something and you don't. It's really from what I remember, anyway, the opening scene, you just see the shark dragging the girl back and mm-hmm. forth. And when the kid gets eaten, you just see kind of the blood. Yeah, just shoot up. There's really not much sound to that either. Like, you hear the, the size of people, the yeah. But it's really kind of silent. And now I feel like it would be like a big to-do. It all it depends on what version you listen to as well. Um, on the Blu-ray, they update a lot of the sounds to make them like louder. Like, there's... Like when the shark's like hitting the boat, it's like a different noise than the original. And even at the end when he shoots the shark, 
there's an explosion, but now it like really like explodes and there's like press like this weird yeah. noise with it as well. Yeah, the pew. Yeah, sounds like kind of like a BB gun hitting like a yeah, it's kind of cartoony, but like the explosion, they, there's also this like weird noise to it. So if you can listen to the original audio, I recommend it. Only if you're a nerd, if you like really love this movie. Going from there, uh, I love the subtlety of this movie with like the characters and uh, there's things you don't notice the first time or the second time or third time. But well, after I, watching like 10 times, you kind of see these little things. The one thing I noticed that I never noticed before is when they the mother puts the bounty out for the shark. And the one thing that I noticed was one of the guys that goes out to attack the shark is just lighting firecrackers and just throwing them into the <laughs> ocean. And that just, that just really made me laugh. I really yeah. enjoyed that. Um, There's so much like stupid stuff in the background. Um, there was even like a shooting star over Brody's head. Yeah. At one point. which is real that, yeah because i was like why would they what's the point of adding that that has to be real yeah it was like just a real shooting star it just happened to be in that scene if it's like so again so well shot <laughs> like yeah, it, it looked it, like it, it's placed there like it's beautifully shot it's beautiful even kind of just setting up every scene like when um when hooper goes underwater when they go out at the boat at night uh and they're looking for that the guy and they just see the attack ship you're sitting there kind of waiting for something to happen and when the the dead head popped out i actually jumped yeah it actually made me jump and i that's, was genuinely startled that's such a good jump scare because you are at that point you're conditioned to wait for the song like mm -hmm. the, the, the for the shark so when his that dead head just pops out yeah. there's nothing <laughs> like so you're just like oh you weren't it's expecting like, it yeah you expect the shark's the, like head to poke out or something it scared the shit out of me i'm not gonna <laughs> lie like i was genuinely startled yeah, um, that was a good one and i enjoyed that but what did what are some of the subtle things that you so used? a big subtle thing is that brody is an outsider in this town um he's new to the town they kind of really set that up a few times where it's like in the beginning of the movie uh the phone's ringing and he answers the wrong phone like his house has a chief line and then like a home line he picks it up he's like ah like it's just they don't do much to be like, all right, Brody's new. And like, they don't really have to be like, like nowadays they'd be like, Brody, the new chief who just moved here in November. Yeah. It, they don't have to do all that. It's just like, Brody is the new guy. You constantly feel it where the Islanders, the natives just kind of like, are just brush him off. And one of the big things is he places himself as an outsider. So, but the town hall scene, all the mayor and everyone else is sitting there and Brody's like off to the side. Yeah, like even he him. knows like he's an outsider he, until they invite him to the table and then uh even on the boat when they're like sharing scars and like talking about all the things they've done brody's just hanging out by himself while quentin hooper are like bonding so i just love that it sets him up that he's an outsider like he's yeah. just even amongst this group of like two hunters he places himself on the outside like it's just it's a very well and very subtle like way of showing that he's not comfortable Absolutely. where he's at. And even like his act, like his acting decisions where he's trying to make a decision and the mayor's just like, nope. Like They're constantly shooting down, which is, which is also just a, a great part of this movie, which I have my notes later, but it's like, he's, he's not a hero until the end. Like everything yeah. he does gets shot down yeah. and he's, he doesn't push against it. He's just later like, you can't do that. He's like, okay all right like it yeah. just goes along which is yeah. so good like it just really builds to his character later and even like the shark attack which i think is a perfect shot scene where they're writing cause of death in the very beginning on the typewriter and he's like shark attack 
mm-hmm. for the girl's autopsy and then they're on the, the boat later and the the coroner's like no i i believe it could be a boat propeller that did that to her when the mayor is like convincing mm-hmm. him that this isn't what happened and he's like are you you're gonna stick to that and he's just like yeah i think i will and brody's just like okay like, yeah star or hero of the movie would be like no, we're, this is what's going on. I'm protecting these people. Mm-hmm. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, uh, that so was filmed today. He'd be like, "No, I'm gonna step up and I'm gonna shut this beach down." And be like Captain America, like, "No, yeah, Civil War." You push back, but now it's he's just like, "Nah, I'm good." Like, because <laughs> he again, like, it just shows that he's an outsider. Like these people grew up on this island. He moved there from New York. I think it's supposed to be within like eight months. Yeah, because it's his first summer yeah so it just kind of shows like he's just he's so out of his element um another thing that i love that i i've only noticed like recently and like it makes me laugh every time is the difference between hooper and quint and it's again just very subtle where they show hooper eat a couple times and like when he drinks wine with uh brody's family he just very like i don't want to say like gluttonous but he just eats like kind of fast and whatnot and it just goes to show like he's a rich kid like almost like it's just a very nod to him being like rich um quint is so frugal that he literally bites half a cracker and puts it in his pocket (laughs) like (laughs) there's one scene where he's like he has like the big uh fishing rod and they kind of show him he just takes like a bite of a cracker and it puts it in like his top pocket and it's just it just kind of shows like just how like ends of means and frugal that he is that he's literally biting half a cracker putting it in his pocket like it's just i love those little character things that just kind of really develop a character they uh they they play off each other so well too um where again brody's the outsider where they're going back Mm -hmm. and forth with each other brody's kind of just standing there not knowing what to do and saves the day yeah supposedly um uh who is it dreyfus who played hooper and I'm blanking on who played Quint hated each other. Oh, right. really? So a lot of their tension was real. Was real. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder why. I guess personalities just didn't match. Yeah. So I think the guy who played Quint, Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw was like a Shakespearean actor at the time. And then uh, uh, Richard Dreyfus was this young upstart kind of upcoming actor. So they just just probably just didn't mesh like it's just two different worlds of acting and training so big age gap too i think that also happens but it worked it it worked out perfectly because they yeah have such good tension in the film and and chief translates and chief brody brings it all together and i thought that he was fantastic really i feel like not talked about much in one of the better performances in these classic movies sometimes you get you know shaky acting but he was phenomenal I, I from start to finish i was very into his character very in, into the story they're telling via him yeah but loved him loved yeah. brody um another thing that i love about this movie that no one really talks about is the humor like i think this movie is a lot funnier than it kind of gets credit for <laughs> one of my favorite things after kind of watching it again for the 80th time uh, <laughs> this one the mayor tells the family to get into the water he's like hey can i get you in the water yeah yeah because yeah. uh, <laughs> they know <laughs> there's a possibility of a shark and like the look they give each other and then when they're like they have their family 
and they're like walking into water and they look yep. so terrified. Like I don't, it makes me laugh every time. And yeah, it's also like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I don't yep. care who this guy is. Yeah. You're not telling me to get into the water. Yeah. When there's a shark around, no way. That's, yeah, that's like, my problem with the movie. Now my problem with the movie, it, it, it's intentional from the movie to make these people be like, oh, I don't care. We're going in the water. And it's mm-hmm. like, you're an idiot. You are so dumb. If somebody tells me there's a shark in that water, whether there actually is or not, probably not going to go in. Probably going to stay pretty close. And the people go deep. And it's just like so dumb. And this goddamn mayor, I don't, mm-hmm. it's just. Well, funny enough, they, uh, a lot of people don't COVID. Not to get oh. political, but they kind yeah. of credited this movie towards how the government handles COVID. Where it's just like, <laughs> like telling the people, like, nah, it's not a big deal, like no big deal. And it's, and then, and then it's how like, they kind of, they don't know how to handle it. Cause even in the beginning of the movie, Brody's just like, where's your uh, beach clothes signs? And he's like, I don't think we have any. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where it's just like, they never had this problem before. So it's just that, that always made me laugh. Like, especially now we're, people kind of compare the COVID and how government handled it to the mayor being like, ah, we're gotta, we gotta stay open. Um, I'm going to need a bigger boat. Great line. A hilarious scene. They, they extended that scene because they test audience and Spielberg was annoyed because people were screaming and would miss his line. Oh, like screaming, laughing? Like, no, because at oh, that point the when jaws. the shark pops out of the water, and that's like the first time you see the shark, really. Yeah. And so people f- supposedly were freaking out in the theaters, and he kind of backed up, and the edit was he was right in the uh, room with Quint and says, like, you're going to need a bigger boat. And he was getting pissed because people were still screaming from the right. shark that they yeah. would miss the line. So he kind of, like, backs up slower for, like, a bit. It, like, it adds... They added a couple more seconds to kind of give that laugh. He wanted that punch of like fear and, and then this punch of, of like a little joke. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I didn't know that. Quint proceeds to destroy the radio after that. Yeah. Which I was like, he's a madman. But oh, I'll get into that. There's a reason for that. We'll talk about it. And then my favorite, my absolute favorite, funniest part of this movie. I don't think it was supposed to be. This shit makes me laugh. Every time I watch it, I think I rewind it to watch it again. When they have, <laughs> they have the shark strung up, like the boaters caught a shark and they strung it up and like, they're all like proud of themselves. And then uh, Hooper is just like, so like, that's not the right shark, whatever. He says like, what kind of shark is it? And he goes, a tiger shark. And the guy goes, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so, if, if Audra could put that in, right? <laughs> Here. What kind? What kind of shark? It's a tiger shark. A what? A what? <laughs> a what? And he's just so dumb looking and so slack jawed, which is amazing. Which yeah, leads yeah. into one of my favorite fun facts about uh, Jaws. And I texted you this and said, this is the movie full of ugliest people I've ever seen in my life. Oh my God. So they're all locals from Martha's Vineyard. Oh, really? <laughs> yep. Like only the main uh, Brody Hooper, Quint, and his it, wife, I think, were actors. Everyone else were like locals from it, Martha's Vineyard. They look like normal people. You know, yep. like again, today, 
you know, the, the family that went into the ocean would have had, you know, the dad would have had like a six pack and, and mm-hmm. super muscular and everybody just looked normal. Yeah. And I think that adds to the believability of it, of it all. And it also helps to, I think it adds to, again, the subtlety of Brody's outsiderness where like Brody, even as a human Roy Schneider, the actor, like was an actor compared, he was an outsider. Like all these people lived in Martha's Vineyard. So it kind of added to him being like an outsider in this town. And I think that kind of like helped, like he did look out of place. Like these people are ugly as hell. <laughs> and Roy Schneider isn't like a dreamboat, but he looks like a, a more put guy. together human being yeah. than some of these creatures in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also love with the locals in the beginning of the movie, how they're constantly just pestering with nonsense. Oh, like yeah, as the yeah. chief of police, they're like, ah, these boys up the street, or like the one guy's just yeah. like, someone come get a bike in front of my house. It's yeah, just yeah. Like, this guy, yeah, can... leave him alone. <laughs> come and get a bike, chief, anytime yeah. you want. But you know, and then even after the shark attack, and the mayor is like, he's like, look at a vandalism on the board because yeah, someone yeah. wrote like help shark, <laughs> and that's what he's worried about. He's not worried about people dying. He's like, ah, these vandals, you got to get them. <laughs> uh, I the one thing that uh that did make me laugh and it wasn't supposed to was when the mother of the kid who was eaten comes up in her funeral gear and yeah, her uh, funeral garb her funeral garb and, and just smacks him and she's like i just wanted you to know that wasn't the shark or whatever and he's yeah she you knew you yeah. knew and you let them swim anyway uh poor miss kittner it's just yeah. it's just like uh her and her husband look so goddamn old uh-huh and their kid was and young. like you know that that was their only kid and they yep. had no chance to have another one so i heard to come up and like just smack them um those are real smacks too oh yeah supposedly yeah. she couldn't again not an actress so she really hit them i think like nine times like they did nine takes and she smacked the shit out of them like all nine times oh my god yeah i just find those i just found out that girl got killed here last week and you knew it you knew all those things my boy is dead now there's nothing you could do about it my boy is dead i want you to know that and then mayor Vaughn just like she's wrong yeah. <laughs> like, again like no <laughs> yeah, it's just constantly denying it the mayor so leading into that the perfect segue this is perfect segues mayor Vaughn, one of my favorite things about this movie for multiple reasons first thing this guy wardrobe oh on impeccable point impeccable i love will you say I beautiful it. i said impeccable his, will you say his, beautiful oh yes i will say beautiful it, because of the anchors anchor suit yep. oh i want it i wish i if i could have had that for my wedding you would wear it every day that's what i'd be wearing his um outfits are, are fantastic that suit is fantastic i just i love his character because again i love looking at this movie as if it was made today like how different it would be um where i think he's like by today's standards he would just be this one note evil guy where he's just like we gotta shut the, we gotta open up we gotta open up we gotta do this we gotta do that we can't do that we can't do this and he's and he's not like a one-dimensional character where he's doing it for a good reason in the movie where he he's trying to keep the island alive because if he shuts down that goes the money yeah they lose a lot of money like this whole township's lifeblood is based on the summer and the income or even like quint when he's introduced kind of says like can you do you have enough food stamps for the winter if we don't get the shark like he even he knows like we're not gonna have a good time if you let this chief like shut down the island where you kind of hate him for a while you're just like ah like what a what a jerk like why is he doing this why is he against the main character but then after the kittner boy dies 
and people are running on a beach, they just show him, which I think is just such a good scene because like people are running by him and he's just standing there and he looks distraught where it's just like, even he's human where he's just like, oh, like I fucked up. Well, the, the scene in the hospital, right? After yep. Where he's like, yep. my kids were on that beach. I, I thought I was doing what was best. And you see that remorse. And, and, and also it's a little bit of, I don't believe, I didn't believe it was a shark attack mm-hmm. too. And yeah, uh, it's you, just you such a good dimensional like character where it's just like by today's standards he would have just been like twirls mustache we gotta keep his beach open Uh, um funny flawed character yeah funny enough in the book he had because i read the book because again i love jaws he owed money to the mob oh really which is why he wanted to keep the beach open like he had more of a reason makes to be as absurd as he kind of was that's too much setup to do yeah it would have been too much where the mob had like a lot more it was him and the mob had like uh real estate so basically they own the island essentially and he was like part of it and they were just like listen like if we lose money you're losing limbs yeah so he had like a lot more reason in the book to be a little more like we gotta keep the island open (laughs) i don't lose my fingers like we gotta keep the island open yeah, I just think it's such a good character. Just like, oh, like, that. just like I said, that shot of people right on the beach and him standing there and he just has his hand to his mouth where he's just like lost. He's like, oh, what did I do? Well, he's, the, you know, you need these these two balance out where you, you have the kind of the visible villain right now mm-hmm. in the mayor and then you have the invisible villain in the shark and then mm-hmm. obviously it goes away. And then this is very much a one, a two act film where the first act is everything before the water and then the second act is very everything on the water, and, and mm-hmm. these are two different. It also has like two different movies. Yeah, like it's, it's like the board game. Now the board game had one part, two part. That's yeah. how this kind of is, where it's the Amity Island and then the boat. Yeah, and it, it it's an interesting thing, you know. I, mm. I don't know how many movies like this back then were like that, but it, it really does feel like two different films, and I think it it also helps the movie move along so quick. You know, they're out there for an hour on the water, and it doesn't feel that way because it's a constantly like a chase scene. You, mm-hmm. you, know, you get those, you get multiple fights with the shark and it aligns perfectly with the board game. Yeah. You mentioned the hospital after the Kinder boy, uh, which leads into uh, another thing that I love, which is the editing of this movie. It just has weird edits that you kind of don't see nowadays and it just works. And it's, it kind of leaves, it's kind of also the, uh, like I said, the music and the noise of the movie, like the sound of the movie. So the one edit that I, I, and these are like little things that are just subtle things I love. In the beginning of the movie, after uh, they find the body of the girl and he's looking for the beach clothes signs and he assigns his little assistant to make the signs and he's running around with the sign parts and the mayor's just like, hey, what do you got there? <laughs> and they're talking. He's like, oh, mayor, there's been a death, like blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, there's a parade going yeah, I know, on right? around them. <laughs> And you could barely hear them. Like, it's just such good, like, it, again, it leads to you living on this island where it's just like these two people are talking and there's a parade going on around these people. And it's so noisy and disorientating and distracting. But it also leads itself to how serious they're taking it. They're not taking it. that mm-hmm. well, The mayor doesn't take it serious. So it's not like a big mayor. There's a, there's a yeah. shark. It's very much you're just in the middle of this town and it's like, okay, whatever. Yeah. So yeah. There's, a, there's a parade. There's other, there's other more important things that are overshadowing. Parade is more important than the shark. Yeah. The money that this parade brings in is money more important than the shark. And so yeah, on. And then uh, another scene is after the Kittner boy dies and they're walking up the hallway of the hospital and somebody's talking to the chief 
and there's just people everywhere. Mm-hmm. And again, you could barely hear what these two people are saying because there's so much noise and confusion. It just sets up that scene so perfectly of what it would be of just like chaos. Chaos. And I just I love that scene of just like just this chaotic, like even like I, I said, the audience would just be like enthralled by like this boy who just a boy again, like just a kid gets eaten in this movie. <laughs> like not an adult, like you feel bad for an adult. This kid it just erupts into blood <laughs> and it's just like it's so chaotic and they're walking up the hallway and it's just Brody and somebody talking and it's just so much noise and confusion like it would be yeah it's not a clean shot it's not perfect audio it's like it's chaotic chaos. and it puts you in the moment mm-hmm. and I love that I love that and I think that's what makes this movie so great there's another weird edit which makes me it's another one of those things that make me laugh and I don't think it's supposed to it's when they're on the boat later in the movie and it's they show Quint, I think, at the controls of the boat, and then they cut to Brody and Hooper talking. And Brody's talking about what they should do, and it literally fades of him mid-sentence oh, back okay. to Quint. <laughs> and I, it makes me think like even the movie's just like, shut the fuck up, Brody. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, it's just such a a weird like that's odd. Edit that you wouldn't see that. normally. He's literally mid conversation. It just like, like what come, <laughs> cuts off back to Quint smoking a cigarette or something. And it's just like, I love it because it's just like, like Brody, shut up. <laughs> like, even the movie's just like, you're an idiot. Um, hero's journey. Brody is the perfect example of the idea of a hero's journey, a bumbling idiot that becomes the hero at the end, like, truly steps up to be the hero. Um, I think, again, if this was made today he would be truly a bumbling idiot like i think they would cast him and he would just be like a goofball Mm -hmm. because he almost is a goofball in this movie like he's just very like okay all right like he just kind of goes with the flow he's falling all over the ship and it just and at the end he's he's still finding his way yeah and but at the end he's the one who steps up and does it um i love that he's terrified of water like even so again we're to subtlety when the kittner boy gets killed and they he's trying to help people off the beach he won't even touch the water like he looks down to make sure that the water is not touching him and i think that's such a good like again subtle like you don't really see it unless you're looking like he looks down like oh i don't even want to touch the water yeah. if he were dying he's like ah near the water just and it, to the journey and the entire movie, he doesn't touch the water until like the very end when the boat's going down. That's and the first in- time you see him touch water. Yeah. When and I, I think that's away, such really. a cool character development of his character. It's also just uh, an interesting character aspect of a movie that is about a cr- water creature. Yeah. And there's and there's no reason they don't they don't give a reason why he's scared of water. Nope. There's no backstory. At one point, the wife's talking and she's just like, yeah, like, I don't know. He does. He's never liked water. Even when we take uh, the ferry, he stays in the car. <laughs> She's just like, I don't know. It must be like a condition. And he goes, it's called drowning. <laughs> like It's just like, he just does not like the water. Quint's introduction, another fantastic character yeah. moment. Where he scratches a chalkboard and he makes his little, you know, you all know me. You know how I'm living. <laughs> like that. <laughs> I love it. And he has a little chalkboard shark of a person getting eaten. Mm-hmm. And uh I love that that dialogue is what happens to him. Like that's foreshadowing, like literally just like, oh, he bites you, shakes you, and then you go down. It's literally beat for beat what happens to him. Like I just, I love that scene. And then uh, 
and then you don't see him again for 45 minutes <laughs> yeah he disappears he just it's like ah oh, we we did what we needed with him and then let's move on kind of like uh like i said with the book the book's a lot different i think which is interesting where if you read the book uh everyone's hateable like uh hooper bangs brody's wife oh brody's wife is miserable she's a horrible bitch of a wife compared well, to how she was in the movie i'm very glad they made that change and then uh i think the only person who's the same is quint i think he's the only one that's like the same i enjoyed his monologue of what happened to him oh the indianapolis yep. oh, beautiful Mwah. again perfect gives you some introspect into this interesting character of why really he that. hates sharks so much like and it's yep. just like that scene is so good that again I, I know I keep saying it, but like subtlety of that scene where like they're all having fun, they're all laughing. At one point, Hooper like lifts up his shirt and he has a scar. He has a talk about, I think he got shot. I think that's what that is. Because I think he gets shot in a book. And uh, that's why he left the New York cop to be a small town cop. Oh, oh, uh, you said Hooper, you meant... Oh, sorry. Brody. Brody, Brody, yeah. So Brody, okay. like, lifts up his shirt, and he has, like, a scar. Yeah, they, they and don't really shirt say down. it. Yeah. And he doesn't even talk about it. He's just like, nah, it's my business. Yeah, where yeah. I think uh, he got shot, he moved to a small town, because he was a New York cop. And then when Hooper and, like, Hooper and Quint finally are, like, bonding, and they're laughing, and he's just like, "What? what's your tattoo? Say mother? Oh, yeah, Quint, yeah, 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 Quint just, yeah. like, grabs him. It's just like all serious it's like they don't laugh like yeah <laughs> that monologue's fantastic um trying to think i i know in the in the book cooper dies okay and i think brody lets it happen because he I knows mean, he banged his wife that's fair which, uh, yeah which uh, is interesting Hooper should have died uh the shark cage scene yeah hooper just swims off and just hide and just and then comes back like yeah we did it <laughs> yeah they, the way that that scene played out he 100 percent should have died in mm-hmm. that cage yeah, I wonder if they were planning on it. And there were like too many. Yeah. And then uh and then the shark just dies in the book. Like it just gets too many harpoons and injuries and it just dies. It's not this dramatic explosion like in the movie. Also glad they made that change. Yes. And I love their decision of that because I love I love that Brody satisfaction. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's just it's amazing. But I love that he uses the ideology from both people to kill the shark like when he finally steps up because he's like he's kind of like law and rationality and common sense and like he's not experienced on a boat but he's like his own person and like hooper's like science and intelligence and then quint's just drive and like obsessiveness but brody uses um the air tank that hooper brings on that quint mocked him for and then the gun that quint was using that hooper ridiculed him for using so like he kind of used both of these things from both men to kill the shark and i think that's such a cool like little nod of like he needed both of their ideologies to kill the shark yeah it took all three of them the ending is it's fantastic just the shark blows up and then it's just just, beautiful it's just over i like that it's just over there's no get back to town Mm-hmm. say it took out the shark nope the boot the fact that the movie just ends is absolutely perfect yeah the adventure's oh. over. that's what i meant to talk about you were talking about how he destroyed the radio so my guess is he he did that and he sabotaged the boat i think it was a pride thing 
because like he great gave this monologue of being the greatest shark hunter and then wow. i also think again because his frugalness he need the money so if they went back to shore and got help i he don't think he would have gotten money. the the money and he would have gotten like the prize of the shark so i think that self-sabotage was because of that like he's yeah, not clearly sense. he's yeah, insane yeah, yeah. I just took it as he wanted to kill the shark himself, but the yeah. running aspect makes sense too. Like that's how I kind of took it. Um, one, one fun fact I did find, and I know I texted you about it, uh, the theory of the Lady of the Dunes. Oh, yeah. So uh, for people that don't know, Lady of the Dune is a nickname for an unidentified murder victim that was found in 1974 in Massachusetts. And its body, her body was found with no hands and her clothes like nicely fold underneath her it was a blue bandana and jeans and joe hill stephen king's son like probably has watched jaws more than me and he noticed an extra who's wearing like a blue bandana and jeans who fits the description of the victim so great and is like gung-ho that this extra in jaws is this person that died like i just i came across that and i'm just like what a weirdo <laughs> just like his yeah. dad yep because joe hill stephen king's son if you don't know um but what a weirdo he's just like why well, at home watch a jaws he's like oh my god that looks like the lady of the dunes or it's like what <laughs> like it's, and if if you could look if you look it up they you could find like they point an arrow to this lady and she's on a screen for a split second <laughs> so it's just like he was just at home just like oh my god that's her that's and it's just like what <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of it you got anything you kind of i do have some some follow-ups i would i do want to talk about some other things after the fact but anything else about the movie that kind of stood out to you or no not really i kind of said everything that i felt about the movie um Mm -hmm. and how impressed i am with the movie still to this day and that i thoroughly enjoy it and enjoyed getting to rewatch it have i flipped you is this movie beautiful this movie is beautiful thank you that's all i need it I'm a big, audience, I'm a big that is all my guy. goal was today i'm a big spielberg guy I, yeah I, i'd love it all a lot of his stuff so as i keep kind of saying i look at this movie with the rationale of what if it was made today if they were to do the worst and remake this movie who let's do let's do like a dream cast who would you cast and then who do you think like they would cast well, I think they would cast and who I would cast for Chief Brody is Tom Hardy. Okay. I feel like that fits. You only Quint? Hardy, but good Quint? No, no, because Quint would no? be Anthony Hopkins. Uh, I don't know. He's kind of old, but all right, I'll let you go. Um, I'm, I don't hate it, but go on. No, Hardy's too young to be Quint. Um, and then Hooper would probably be Matthew Broderick. He's old too. All right. It's a weird So you casting. think that's what they would go? Yeah, and then the mayor would be... Oh, you want to... I don't even think of the mayor. The mayor would be Tim Allen. <laughs> uh, I like that. Or if not if not Matthew Broderick as Hooper, Ewan McGregor. That's who I would want. All right. I like that one. Yeah. Um, My dream cast, if I was making this movie, I would have The Rock. <laughs> of course. Naturally. <laughs> it would be... I mean, That's this probably might even, who would be. I I was just would, about to say it would be Jungle three, Cruise. My three my three jokey dreamcast would be probably who Hollywood cast. So I would have The Rock as uh, Brody, Kevin Hart, Hooper. <laughs> it would be Hooper would be uh, Ryan Reynolds, yeah. and then yeah, Kevin Hart would be Quint. <laughs> yeah. I actually he, uh, Hugh Jackman somewhere in there too might work. Yeah, Hugh Jack, but. That would that would be who Hollywood would cast. It would be on Netflix. 
Yep. And this, the shark would be CGI and would be visible every 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, I would like really put thought in it. And I was like, who would they cast? Like, who's like the it people that they would kind of cast? So I have Willem Dafoe as Quint. Okay. Yeah, that makes and sense. And I, I thought he would make a good one because of the movie The Lighthouse. Yeah. He plays like a dis- disgruntled, like crazy old man. And plus his performance as Green Goblin, like it just, he would play like this good, grizzled, insane, but also calm and collected. Absolutely. Like That's performer. His Norm- Norman Osborne's that. Yeah. Um, Brody, Patrick Wilson. Okay. Yeah, uh, I can see that. Yeah. I think he would just be. Well, then you just got to cast Momoa as Hooper because you just have, you have Aquaman. Oh, you're right. Willem Dafoe is an Aquaman too. And pa- yeah, so. Well, this is a DC lineup yeah. because I do have another DC star for Hooper. Um, but like Patrick Wilson would just play a good he aloof. Looks the par- he looks the yeah. part. And he looks it. He looks just like the actor almost. But he would play like the, a good aloof like chief who also could step up. Yeah. And then I have Jeffrey Wright as Hooper. Okay. Yeah, I could see that as well. I think just, I personally love Jeffrey Wright. I think he could play like the smart smarmy the mayor oh, would be oh. jk simmons yeah i think that'd be good i didn't even think the mayor the mayor yeah, i need to I recast can't... anthony hopkins does not work for my quit uh but continue with yours i'm trying who would i do as the mayor um again going by taste standards it would probably be play star lord oh chris pratt yeah it'd be chris pratt they have to just because that's who they would cast <laughs> yeah why not i'm all right yeah. with that chris pratt would pay play the voice of the shark <laughs> or no, Vin Diesel would be the shark. Yes, yes Vin Diesel would be the shark. <laughs> Michael Rooker is Quint. That would be my Quint. Yeah, that would be actually really good. That's good casting. He plays a good disgruntled. I would give me a call character. if you ever decide to do that. So there we go. We'll get a. I'll email Steven Spielberg because I messaged him on Instagram and we to find out <laughs> it wasn't the official. But it is Steven the official. Spielberg. But that's kind of it. I mean, this is just a taste of if you are a Gateway Gamers listener, this is the nonsense you can expect from our movie kind of reviews. Yep. I don't like beat by beat, play by play movie reviews. I just kind of like talk about movies and what I enjoy in the movies because I don't care what you enjoy from a movie because yeah. I like my experience. And again, if a lot of the movies we're talking about are classics, if you've never seen them, time to rewatch them. And it's time to rewatch them. And if we're talking about them scene from scene, it's boring. It's just not what I enjoy in a podcast. Yeah, it's just an open discussion. And um, we'll say things that we we might say a couple curse words that we don't typically say. Yeah, this is PG. This is a PG 1970s PG podcast. We should put that at the beginning. Um, uh, It's marked explicit, so people can say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There Um, might be a few Fs and mfers and sobs and s my a and smile you son of a bitch but yeah no i enjoyed this as a discussion and a little bit of background as uh brian provided with us today things you didn't know about the movie so look forward to Mm -hmm. that and and some guests uh coming forward and uh we're gonna follow us on all socials yeah follow us uh if this is your first episode i apologize <laughs> we normally don't talk about movies. We're a board game podcast. It's just our little side project. Um, but if you are listening to this and you do enjoy board games, listen to some of our other episodes and, and if subscribe. You enjoy, and... and if you enjoy movies and pop culture references, check us out all summer and also over at Previously Recorded, where we do this all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. So, record it. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Beautiful. 
Beautiful. Beautiful podcast. 100% agree with that. Yeah, so remember to rate, like, and subscribe, and uh, we'll see you at the movies. All right. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. Love you. Farewell and adieu to you fair Spanish ladies. Farewell and adieu you ladies of Spain. For we've received orders for to sail back to Boston. And so never more shall we see you again. Mm-hmm. <laughs>